This is the Wickham Festival podcast, the first of two special editions featuring interviews from the 2014 festival. In this episode, we'll be hearing from the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain, the men they couldn't hang, Ian Brodie of the Lightning Seeds, and Barbara Dixon and Rab Noakes. But first up, here's Neville Staple. Okay, my name is Neville Staple, the original Rude Boy, and I'm with... Smedge Armstrong, bass player for Neville Staple Band. Excellent. So what can we expect tonight? Uh, tonight you can expect to uh, skank and just rock away with the music. That's all I can expect. So what uh, what kind of hits will you be playing from... Uh, oh, that's going to be a secret. Oh, is that a spoiler? Is that a spoiler? Say that. A spoiler. You have to wait and see the show. So some from the specials? Yes. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and that other band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Fun Boy 3. Yeah. Yes. Well... And some new stuff. Yes. You've got a new album out. Yeah, the new album's called Scar Crazy. Mm-hmm. And they can get it um, on Amazon. Can you say? iTunes. Download it on iTunes. Excellent. And what uh, what kind of material is that? Um, it's some old Scar classics plus some original material and we reworkings of Funboy Free Song. But we're not going to say that either. You have to get by the album and see what it is. <laughs> Right, so people rush out and buy it. Oh, of course, it's going, it's going really well. Sales are going really well. Right, so talk us through your, your career then since you left uh, the, the specials. Okay, since I left the specials, I got uh, together with uh, the band I'm with now. Mm-hmm. But before uh, the, re- the reunion, I was doing my own band anyway. And um, I guess three years after the reunion I couldn't take any more so I went back to my band which I shouldn't have left but anyway that's another story I'm back with it I'll be back with them now and um, it's doing pretty good it's still more happier happier back with you you than with the uh, reunited specials yeah Yeah. did you find then that with the reunited specials that you weren't almost stifled creativity you weren't doing anything new no no it it uh, it stops you creative, your creativeness, and everything. Everything was very regimental. There was like one army sergeant in there who would want you to do it regimental, and you, you weren't free to do what you wanted to do with the rest of the band or intermix or whatever. It was horrible. So I had to leave. I'll just add that without, without said, never will ad lib and extend shortened songs. Um, he found that when he was with the specials, he couldn't do that. The set was how the songs were recorded and how they had to play them live. Whereas with us, if you see the crowd going well, never just keep the crowd going. You know, that's that's the difference. That's yeah. what we find. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's that's the old, that's internet entertainment in me and the band. Once we see the crowd enjoying it, we don't think, okay, the record finishes off in three and a half minutes. We don't, we just go like Sledge said. And if I make a mistake, which I usually normally do now, that's the age, um, the band knows me, they know how to read what I'm going to be like on stage, and then they will adapt to it or, or help me out. So with the reunion, you almost probably became like a tribute band to yourselves. Well, they are a tribute band now. That's, what, that's how I look at the specials now, as a tribute band. Mm. To be honest with you, I can't, yeah. I don't want to knock anybody, but that's what they are now, a tribute band. Yeah. 
good. So a bit more freedom tonight then, a bit more freedom of expression. And yeah, yeah, the UFC, when, the music, when we play the music, it, the music's more fun. You'll see um, the guys on stage enjoying, enjoying themselves. Um, it's going to be different from how... I mean, I must say, all right then, the specials when we... The first reunion couple of tours were fine, then after that it just went... Bleh. You know what I mean? So you're rediscovering your joy in the music. Oh, yeah, I'm enjoying it now. And I'm enjoying being on stage. But the only thing you won't see is jumping off speakers, jumping around like an idiot. We're playing the music to our age, (laughs) which is still nice, skanking music, but we're playing it to our age. That means we don't jump around, but we've got the younger kids who love the music. They do all of the dancing more than we do, yeah, fully do enough. For you. Yeah, we haven't, yeah. Got, we haven't got insurance for you jumping off speakers anyway. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> or jumping surfing. <laughs> great. Well, have a great gig. Looking forward to hearing you. Thanks very much. Thanks. So I'm with Dave from the New Lady Orchestra of Great Britain. Hello there. And we're backstage at Wickham Festival at the moment, which I believe, yeah, I believe you've played before in some form yeah I think we have uh, we've played a lot of places um, <laughs> you might be able to hear Dick Gotham behind me there you go um, yes we have played a lot of places I've noticed that if you uh, do something for 10 years then you're experienced but if you do it for 20 years you're not twice as experienced you're just old alright <laughs> <laughs> oh, ok I think the Wickham Festival site has got a lot of potential the fact that it's muddy uh, shouldn't be a surprise no. and as long as you've got enough people to push the cars at 12 o'clock tonight <laughs> that's fine if you haven't it's not fine mm. um, obviously Wick- Wickham is quite a kind of local based festival uh, we're, we're getting more and more people coming along from a wider audience but do you would you agree or do you believe that there's a, a good importance for these local events I, I think the, the, the idea of the rock festival has become a commonplace family event now mm. um, which is which is a, a generally a good thing yeah. um, I noticed that most folk festivals when you look at the categories of music on they say little folk festival and then they go um, rock and roll reggae folk blues you know folk has become a subsection of folk which itself just sort of means yeah quite quite um, I think that's great I think um well, I do know. Do you know the song "Rock Around the Clock"? Yeah. Well, you're not allowed to, are you? Just as a, just as the culture has spread, it's all been completely dumbed down. And I don't believe there's anywhere that you can go and listen to live music at five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> except for a private party. Uh, and of course, it'd be like Elvis Presley. They give it, give give it him everything, but take the one thing away that was free. Yeah. That can't kill the spirit. But no, it's 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 fine. It's a very nice festival. I say it depends on how good. Your people are at getting people off the side. Pushing their cars down, yeah. <laughs> but the origins of the orchestra were, was it Leeds? Some of us were students in Leeds in the 1970s. And roughly, I mean, different people have different responses. People say, where'd you come from? And some people say, it was just a bit of fun. But actually, we were all, we were all performance artist uh, musicians, and we'd had punk and we'd smashed up the system and all we ended up with was Mrs Thatcher so what do you do after 
Okay. And so this this is sort of like post-punk deconstructivism. Oh, wow. To actually be, a, it, it's harking back. After sort of rock and roll, sort of cabaret became fashionable, didn't it, in the 80s? And, and solidarity. And so the Ute has a touch of that. It's the touch of the, the Jarro, you know, as well as, you know, cabaret and Berlin decadence, you know, it's yeah. a bit of both. You're known for a lot of your covers, obviously. Was it always set to be sort of this cover band? Have, do, do you have your own things in there? We do well? have our own stuff in there. You know, we squeeze a few through. Um, it, well, yes. It was always a cover band, but almost by default, in the sense that often when it started, we were uh, doing sort of interesting stuff and, and sort of like the typical ukulele music. That was certainly something that was fairly new to me, to play chords that go, like rock and roll goes like this. But these, these the chord sequences here, you've got the extra sentence that go... So that's... So those sort of things I, it was new to me when I came to this sort of music. But also, from in, when, when I... Well, myself, when I started playing Born to Be Wild on the ukulele in 1987, it was a new idea. Um, uh, and uh, also we started mashing up songs together then, which again was a new idea. And uh, now every festival has probably got a German umpire band playing the hits of Queen. <laughs> and that's not strange at all. But I, I suppose the difference between the ukes and most people is that we, although we play ukes, we don't play in a traditional uke style. No. All the time. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, was it a conscious step away from that? I think it was, uh, obviously they are quaint. Uh, we, they, we are performance artists. People mistake us for ukulele enthusiasts. Right. It was definitely a, it's, because the ukulele only had the repertoire, it was George Formby or nothing, roughly. And in America and Japan, it's Hawaiian or nothing. And so it was something that, again, the, the uke has changed. When we first started, you, they, were, they weren't that common. The only people who had them were people into, you know, George Formby or you know, maybe Hawaiian or something. All, people didn't know what they were. You, the young people didn't know anything. And now it's an ordinary instrument. It's not really funny anymore. They're just ordinary. Everyone's got a ukulele. And with the, uh, with the advent of the sort of modern, you know, mid-range ukuleles, that's made a big difference. Mm. Uh, and we are very proud to say that uh, it's something to do with us, we would think, in general. Oh, I should say so. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is something to do with us. Uh, so there you go. Um, yeah, so after the show tonight, I believe you've just returned from Germany, have you? Yeah. Uh, where to next? You walk around Europe again? Uh, yeah, it's um, Uppsala in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. What's your reception like across Europe in particular? Uh, here's a good example. Um, the, our reception is the same all over the world, mm. which is good. Uh, there are a few people who don't do irony. Uh, children don't do irony. They take things at face value. Um, not everyone in Yorkshire doesn't do irony. Uh, they sometimes say, that's quite good if you like music. But um, it's, it is roughly the same. The audience is the same global sort of global rock and roll liberal culture. 
Right, I'm here with Swill, lead singer from The Men They Couldn't Hang. Welcome to Wickham. Thank you, it's nice to be back. Yeah, you've been here a few times. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, what do you make of it as a festival? I absolutely love Wickham, I'm not just saying that, uh, but it's, it is my favourite of all the festivals. Um, partly because it's kind of coming home for me, as well, uh, but Peter is such a great guy as well, and the bands are always good. And it's just got that warm atmosphere, you know. So, yeah, I do. That's it's got fun. a fantastic family feel to it. As it well, has, yeah, it? yeah. I mean, and every time I play here, I've, I've played here solo a couple of times in the Medical Angus. It's probably our third time, um, and our families all come along as well, and kids and, and everything. In fact, this is the first year I haven't brought my my two kids along because they're already on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice too. So, uh, so what can we expect from uh, from tonight? Tonight, um, I think it will be uh, uh, rocking. Um, I don't. I think it'll be relatively sober. <laughs> um, and actually, we're we're going to hang around to watch Steve Earle as well. That's another. We were really pleased to be on the same day as Steve Earle. So, he's a, a bit of a hero that's, of ours. That's a big coup. Isn't yeah, it, yeah, Earl? it is. Yeah, I'm really yeah looking forward to that immensely. Yeah. Do you change your set or your approach at all when you're on a fairly early evening? Yeah, we do actually. Funny enough, funny to say that. Um, we kind of we, we sort of judge it by you know the audience in, in a way um, and kind of tailor the set to that. And we often wander around and have a few beers and meet people and people make requests for, for stuff. So yeah, we depending on the time of day, um, depending on. Uh, we've done a few kind of real sort of folk festivals this year as well, so we kind of tame it down a little bit for that. And strangely enough, we did a heavy metal festival in Sweden about a month ago, and uh, that went down really well. I was really surprised, you know. <laughs> and then we just did Rebellion, the punk festival, last weekend, and, and that was really good. And, and the weird thing about that is we, we kind of tailored the set to do our more sort of energetic stuff, I suppose. But we went on, did an encore, and we did the Green Fields of France, which is probably the folkiest song we've got, and that went down a storm, you know. So, yeah, there's, a, there's an element. Oh, and we always work off the crowd, I think, you know. So we'll have a set list on the stage, and that'll be our plan of what we're going to do, but we will nearly always, you know, deviate from that and uh, you know, put some stuff in. And the set list sometimes varies, on, I guess, from the from the late night, more energetic, more raw. Absolutely, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's true, yeah. And uh, also, uh, you know, these days if we're doing a long set we're not getting any younger so we normally throw in a couple of acoustic <laughs> songs so the rest of the band can walk off and have a beer and a cigarette or whatever they want to do yeah, well, yeah. I'm not getting any younger myself so when I'm in the crowd I'm always yeah. quite happy when you do an acoustic one because it gives yeah. me a rest as well mm. to... today we're not funnily enough but we're just doing an hour yeah. so I think we're going to yeah. you know, also we've got a new album and so we're going to probably put a couple of new songs in the set too which is always a gamble but um, so what's the yeah. new album called uh, the new album's called oh. The Defiant uh, and it's got uh, it's kind of themed actually around this sort of general area you know it's a lot of it is about the sea uh, my my dad was in the navy and we've got like big connections with the with the sea uh, so yeah that's the general theme of that and it's got a nice big clipper on the front <laughs> Because in, in some of you, well, quite a few of your songs, there's a local connection that you, yeah. you write about places you know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so myself and Paul, we're from Southampton, Kush is from Portsmouth. So, you know, um, and Paul's kind of the main writer. Um, I, I kind of write a lot of the stuff too, but he, he's the, the main guy. And uh, he always writes from <clears throat> experience and what he knows. So we've got songs about the Isle of Wight, for instance, yeah. uh, a lot of stuff around the sort of the docks of both Southampton and Portsmouth. Um, and yeah, just a general. Well, it's rich in history around here, isn't it? You know, it's, a, it's a good, good starting point for a sort of folk punk <laughs> song. You know, yeah. And the album available now? No, it's uh, the album comes out twenty second of September. Uh, we did it through a pledge campaign, so we've got the 
we've got their first batch of CDs which we're signing and sending out to the people that pledged for it and made it possible for us to, to make it and then from the 22nd of September on it will be about generally available it's got a distribution through a company called Cargo so it'll be in all the record shops that are still left <laughs> and Amazon and iTunes and so on yeah and what can fans expect from the album? Is it uh, traditional men they couldn't hang? Yeah, well, in a way, because this is our 30th anniversary year, and so consciously or subconsciously, we, the album we've written is um, it kind of takes the sort of best points of the stuff we've done over 30 year period. Uh, you know, they're all new songs, but it has the feel of uh, of songs right from our beginnings up to uh, you know our, our 30th year. And um, it's available for download on the pledge site. And the people that have already downloaded it, um, are, are, you know, the general comment is it's the best album we've done, or uh, or it's joint best. But I mean, I'm, I'm, it's quite hard after a band going that long to for people to say something is the best. You know, um, you almost expect a little bit of criticism, and you know, you're not as good as you were. You always expect that sort of thing. So it's, it's nice to have positive comments. You know. It's good to see you going strong after 30 years. It's amazing that we are. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a good cult following, though. We you? have got an amazing cult following. Yeah, yeah really, really incredible. Um, and, and that's why we did the pledge thing, really, to be honest. You know, uh, yeah, the, the loyalty. We've got people that have stuck with us right from the very beginning. We've got people who were like, you know, teenagers when we started, and now, you know, 30 years on, <laughs> they're, you know, adults with their own kids. And in fact, we've got a few young people come to see us now as well we, we've become a sort of like almost a heritage band in a, in a funny kind of way you know so um, yeah, yeah I mean it's all life in the old dog yet <laughs> excellent well, have a good one tonight thank you very much cheers right now I'm joined by Barbara Dixon and Rab Noakes hello uh, have you been playing lots of festivals this summer not a huge amount of festivals we have played a, a lot of shows we've, do, we've done a tour earlier April and May, there was a couple of weekends full of shows, and in June we had quite a lot. We did a total of about 20, mostly art centres, small theatres, yes. one festival at, at Beverly. But uh, we're delighted to be to be here, to be invited here and to be here, because we'd like to do more festivals. Or and we, we love it, we love the kind of, way, the, you know, the kind of old vibe, that, I know it's an old hippie expression, but... There is a kind of vibe, these things. There's just lots of artists. It gives us a chance to see other artists, to speak to people we know. We've just bumped into Ross Ainsley and um, Charlotte and all those people, you know, that we know already. And it's unusual, if you think about it, most artists don't bump into other artists because you're usually on yourself and they come the week you, afterwards. You wave across station platforms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so to be here with, with everybody More else. More service like, stations and <laughs> like. Yeah. And Rab's right, we did a tour, and this is our last show. This is it's, it's six weeks or so since we played together, and we're going to do this show. And then we don't meet until next year. Rab goes off, does his projects, and I go off and do mine. I was going to say, because of course, you've both got well-established careers of your own, but did you, did you cross paths a lot as you were sort of both on your way up as well? And this, and this is sort of a revisit of that. Oh, very much so. It's fundamental. We, do, we met in the mid-60s, first of all. And, and, you know, we were both interested, freshly interested in folk song at that time. So, so that was kind of at the heart of what our interests were. But as we got to know one another, we found that we'd been listening to a lot of the same pop music over the years and particularly things like the Everly Brothers were big favourites. And uh, we've, we started to sing together at that time in, in the mid to late 60s. And we've sung together off and on 
ever since. And uh, on, on here we're both, I'd like to say, to, to think anyway, still in good voice, and we really thoroughly enjoy singing together. It's so that it's that male and female thing where when we get the harmony pattern right, we're both operating in roughly the same sort of strong part of our uh, registers. Mm. So it's quite a good sound. It's a great sound, and we love it because we, we've done all these dates now this year, having not um, worked together for 40 years. I mean, we, we really haven't. We've been friends all this time. We haven't kind of just re-met each other. We've been friends all the time, so Rab knows what I've been doing for 40 years and I know what he's been doing for 40 years, but we've never worked together on stage and we've done it now, which has been, it's been fantastic because not only has it been such a pleasure and it's very different as well for me, it's quite different to what I normally do, and it's, but it's so enjoyable and it's been nice to travel and we've been travelling around together, apart from this show where we've had to sort of converge here. But we've been travelling around together, we've spent time together, um, my husband and, and, uh, and Rab's wife, we've been all together, the four of us. It's been lovely, it's been really, um, it's been re- it's been really harmonious in oh, more ways than one. Oh, it? definitely, yes. Other, other things that's worth mentioning we've been involved in in recent years have been uh, uh, some concerts around Jerry Rafferty. Jerry Rafferty was a friend of, of both of ours for many years. I first met him in 1969, you, yeah. I think, roughly yeah, at the same time. time. And um, I, I was asked to produce a concert for Celtic Connections back in 2012. Jerry died in 2011, yeah, so that was the... So it was kind of a, yeah. a, a year on, we, did, yeah. we did, did a concert with a full band and lots of guest artists singing Jerry's songs, and yes. Barbara was part of that. And then we had another one. In, uh, in April of this year, which would have been his 67th birthday in his hometown. And we had a, a small 20-odd piece uh, section from the RSNO, Royal Scottish National Orchestra. Like a sort of chamber. Symphonietta, I think. Is that what was it? Oh, it was a Is that bigger than a chamber? I think it is, isn't it? Or, or is it smaller than a chamber? I don't know. I think, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. 20, 24, 25 Oh, it was beautiful. And that was really, really interesting. So, so we've been involved together creatively in, in those kind of projects as, yeah. as, as well. And so, has, has that sort of project, working with, I guess, a different type of thing with the, with the orchestral side, is that something that's fired you up for further projects you might look at in the future? I think it's the diversity of doing things like that. It's so satisfying. Yeah. I mean, I find it... So I, I was with management for about um, 30 years... Um, with the management were very, very strict about, well, we think you should do that, we don't think you should do that. And then most, a lot of artists will find this. And now I don't have that management, and I decide what I want to do. And my, my ability to be able to choose fabulous projects, like doing that, um, uh, those concerts with Rab in Scotland, and, they're so satisfying musically and, and emotionally. I mean, I get an enormous amount out of um, just seeing what, what, what I can do. It's, it's realising my potential, and I think Rab's the same. And I advise every musician to try and push themselves to the limit if they can to realise their potential. It's only by doing that you find out what you can do. Yeah. And, and, and when you can do it, you are there making a, hopefully a valuable contribution. And something to something new comes as well, out of something it. Something new comes, comes yeah. out of that. All, yeah. all collaborations have that kind of uniqueness 
in what is, is actually achieved, what's what's created. And hopefully, it simply wouldn't have happened exactly. otherwise. Right? You wouldn't you wouldn't have done on your own. Exactly. What, 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 what and hopefully, greater than the sum of the parts is is I think what we decided that That's there was. We both do our own thing and and enjoy it and love it and are highly regarded. But when we get together, it's something else there's, there's indeed. There's something else. Yeah, there's a wee that, that ingredient third element in there. And, that, 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 yeah. and a third and fourth element. You know, there, yeah. there, there, there are layers of elements. Exactly. And um, we, we are plotting to do some more next year, hopefully some more festivals. We'd love to do more festivals. Just looking at the schedule yeah. of that. We made an EP before this tour, okay. but it was yeah. designed to be representative of what the, the concerts were going to be. So we did it live in the studio. In an afternoon. In about six songs in one afternoon. Yeah. And got it down. And so, got, so a, a project that's tucked away for both of us. Then I think is: are, are we going to do any more recording and maybe do something that's a wee bit more, uh, spend a bit more time, slightly on that more and, ambitious? And, and but you know that little ambitious. that little afternoon recording of ours was chosen as one of the five best recordings, folk music recordings of the summer by the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. He just said, "This is kind of you know, it's kind of lo-fi, but it's fantastic." We went. What is he talking about us? <laughs> and we, we were. Oh, well, well done. <laughs> I mean, I'm, not, I'm not bragging, but it's just so so amazing. When I think about the angst-ridden hours I've spent in recording God, studios, redoing things for the fiftieth time, and then you do something in an afternoon, six tracks, and the guy from the Daily Telegraph says, "You know something? This is great." Because it, it wasn't designed to, to catch that kind of attention. No, no we, we did it so no, that there would be wasn't. something. For, for people to buy it at the shows and take away as, as a souvenir, a little bit of airplay for promotional purposes. We didn't really think it was going to be kind of analysed, it. but then you put you put your work out. You've no idea where it's going to be. So Ian Brody, how was that Wickham for you? Do you know it was brilliant? Actually, I had a really good time. Everyone looked after us lovely. Thought the audience were great and thoroughly enjoyed. Enjoyed it, fantastic. It was a fantastic atmosphere, wasn't it? It was really great, yeah. Everyone seems to be having a good time. And I, when you're on stage, that makes you, you know, you just, it just kicks you off, really. And you, you, you know, you really enjoy it and you play better. And it was, it just felt like, a, felt like a really nice night. And what about the festival as a whole? Have you had a chance to have a, a look around at all? I didn't get a chance to look around too much, but it looked great. It, the whole this area feels really nice as well. It feels like a bit of a pocket of good weather as well, doesn't it? You know, is this get loads of good weather in this particular bit or something? You try telling that to the people yesterday afternoon. Or was it pouring yesterday? Absolutely. So we 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 bring the sun with us. <laughs> but it's been a beautiful day today. So. Okay, great. How do you go about choosing your set list for a festival as opposed to a? a like an ordinary concert. Do, well, I suppose, it yeah, it does. Yeah, you know, when you're touring, you're often you've got a new album, maybe, so you want to feature a bit of that, and you kind of mix it up. I think for a festival, you want to play most of the songs that everyone knows, because I think that's what a festival is. You know, you just—it's almost like roll out the big party. Hits. Yeah, it comes hit after hit after hit. So, do you yeah. get a buzz then when you get on that roll towards the end and? Yeah, I enjoy playing all those songs. I mean, you know, as, as an artist, you're kind of torn between those two things because you want to keep moving forward and you don't want to, you know, otherwise it'd be cabaret or something. So you yeah. keep writing and you keep going forward, but it's also, you know, it's good fun getting an excuse to just play a load of hits. Hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Wickham Festival podcast. Please download the second episode to hear interviews with Altan, Bellowhead, Hazel O'Connor, Hugh Cornwall and John Jones of the Oyster Band. 
The dates for the 2015 festival are the 6th to the 9th of August, and the lineup currently includes The Proclaimers, Wilco Johnson, 10CC, Seth Lakeman, and Billy Bragg. Tickets can be bought online from ticketsouth.co.uk. Check Facebook and Twitter at Festival Wickham for any latest news and lineup information. <laughs>